When you are building something no one has ever seen, something no one has ever imagined, who can you turn to for help? The answer is the other people who are facing the same issues you are. Those product inventing, boundary pushing, design obsessed folks who are just like you. Welcome to AWS Startup Stories. I'm Michelle Kung. And I'm Michael Copeland. What follows are the tools that work, the leadership practices that make a difference, and the lessons you only learn by building a company. And one more thing, what startup jockeys do with a very rare item, their downtime. So let's get to it. We're taking a deep dive into ASEAN in the following podcast, talking with founders and investors from one of the world's fastest growing startup ecosystems. From Singapore to Ho Chi Minh City, Bangkok, Jakarta, and other parts of the region, hear how entrepreneurs are tackling this massive market, what investors are hunting for, and why startups are having such an impact across all dimensions in this part of the world. Welcome to the AWS Startup Podcast. I'm Michael Copeland, and I am here virtually on the line with Kamaral Mohammed, who is the group CEO and founder of Aerodyne Group, um, which is a very cool drone and drone software, drones as a service, all of the above uh, company. Kamaral, thanks for joining us. Oh, pleasure to be here. Now, where are you in the world? I know you, like like all of us, you, you travel a lot. Uh, right now, we're all sort of in, in one spot. You're in Malaysia, is that correct? Yeah, I'm uh, today. <laughs> I'm in Malaysia today. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I travel quite a bit. Uh, but unfortunately, the pandemic sort of uh, uh, put us in one place at the moment. Yeah, well, you 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 and me both, <laughs> yeah. and ev- and everyone. Well, I hope you're doing well, and you and yours are are hanging in there. Um, and you know, in some ways, making the best of this. I guess um, we all have time to do things and invent things, and uh, maybe spend time with with family members and all that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, um, interesting time, interesting, challenging time for everyone, <laughs> but it has kept us really busy as well. Uh, I mean, I, I can't lie that we were not affected. I think just like everybody uh, in the industry, we, we, we are, in, uh, you know, disrupted a little bit, uh, but we are making good use of the time by, um, you know, focusing more energy on our development, on our uh, on our uh, R&D work. And um, at the same time, we did have... Uh, uh, spare resources during the lockdown and what we did was to use those uh, resources to help uh, here in Malaysia at least to help um, uh, to control the pandemic so all is good everyone is busy uh, uh, the, um, you know, everything is uh, very positive <laughs> well I'm glad to hear that and there I do think this is an interesting time where people can you know a- again you know work on projects that they've wanted to if they have the time um, do pilots and try no no pun intended for the drone world but um, you know try out new services and new technologies and, and push things forward. So Aerodyne Group, um, you guys are all about drones and drones as a service, but tell us, you know, the origin story of Aerodyne a little bit and, and you know, where you guys are focused your efforts today. Right, sure. Well, we, we started five years ago, three people at that time. We have now grown to 400 people. Uh, we are in 25 countries. Uh, when we started, uh, we were really was focusing on, I mean, we were getting to know about drone and all that we did at that time was doing visual, <laughs> but that did not uh, took us very far or very long. Uh, just uh, uh, six months later, we realized that there's a lot more things that we can do with drones. And we then moved to data. Uh, we then moved to uh, or pivoted to total solutions. And today we are deeply clear about uh, what we wanted to do. And it's, um, you know, disrupting the businesses of our client. 
Uh, we are actually a DT Cube company, uh, DT3 if you like. Um, we, we use drone technology, we use data technology, and we provide uh, disruptive solutions for digital transformation for our customers. So uh, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah explain that and, and like what, what that means, because we hear about digital transformation a fair bit, and you know clearly there's data underlying it for most folks and for your customers, but what does that mean as you combine that with you know, your drone solutions? Absolutely, absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you one, uh, one example, right? 65% of our business right now is in asset inspection and management, right? In the old days, people would use helicopters, or uh, people would, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, drive along and, and do the manual inspection, right? So uh, here comes a drone. A drone would immediately uh, save, uh, lower the cost. Uh, it's much uh, easier to operate, and uh, the hardware itself is also a lot cheaper. So that already a huge cost savings, right? So uh, by using drone as well, you know, we, we are able to do this uh, execution a whole lot faster. Then combined with the data, and also age AI, age processing, all the insights from the data can be harnessed almost in near real time, right? I mean, in, in the future, it'll be real time. Uh, not now because of the challenges of connectivity and all that, it's, uh, I would say near real time at the moment, but that is already very, very disruptive for our client. Um, I'll give you an example in the power line industry, for example, uh, we are able to reduce costs by 20% and doing the work by up to 400%. So, so it's a huge impact that we are providing to our customers. And likewise, uh, let's take uh, telecommunication industry, for example. I mean, uh, uh, to, to manage a single tower, to see, to assess the condition of a tower could normally take um, up to three days, uh, typically one to two days, right? I mean, uh, we are now able to do five uh, towers in a day using, using our technology. So that's disruptive. You know, you're getting more data and you're doing it a whole lot faster and cheaper as well. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that maybe, I mean, you guys obviously sort of saw the consequence, but maybe we didn't all appreciate it, but like what it amounts to is like you say, more data. So more data for precision agriculture, more data for like you say, asset management. And then what do you customers start to do with that increased, you know, and higher sort of density, higher detail level data? Mm, right. Well, num number one, they can manage their assets more effectively as well, because instead of doing, you know, en masse, now they can do this uh, targeted. So, for instance, you know, you, you have a, a large infrastructure assets everywhere. Uh, what people used to do is actually walk to all their assets and do an assessment and then go in and, and you know, do whatever is necessary. Right. But if you have all of this data, you can then... Uh, optimize your operation. You only uh, address where the, where the problems are. You can do predictive analytics. You can predict when the problems will happen. So again, this would make the whole operations a whole lot more efficient as well. So it's about uh, optimizing the operation. And that's actually what um, um, being disruptive is all about. It's about, I mean, that's what digital transformation is all about. I mean, you have a digital twin of your assets. You are aware of what's happening. Uh, rather than going about doing your business uh, semi-blindly, right? Right. That's a fact, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a much more precision instrument versus the sort of blunt instrument approach that maybe others, you know, people were taking before. Absolutely, yeah. And then it has this whole other layer of intelligence, or I should say layers of intelligence that you can then leverage as well. Were you fascinated by either drones or data yeah. or, you know, walking power lines? Or, or how did you five years ago <laughs> end up here? I'm fascinated by the aviation industry. I mean, uh, I'm a pilot myself, and I, I mean, I used to fly uh, recreational uh, drones as well in, in the past. 
I mean, this has taken me all over the world. Uh, me and my drones, you know, I would say, uh-huh. have drone will travel kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we st- I started with that. Um, and in uh, five years ago, it was in the infancy. People don't really know what drones can really do. Uh, it, it's just a fun new gadget, a new toy that everybody would have. The, in, on the other hand, on, on the other you know, extreme, then you have all those military drones, you know, uh, and stuff. But now the gaps are closing. You know, the, 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 and, and I, was, I, I saw that coming. You know, I see that uh, how the technology is maturing. I mean, I'll just give you an example. My, my first drones 10 years ago uh, cost me about $35,000. So it's a huge amount of money. Oh, wow. Yeah. And today, uh, a drone that will probably cost $1,000 is uh, so much better than the $35,000 drones that I had uh, 10 years ago. Eh? So that improvements in technology inspires us to believe that this is the uh, future of robotics, uh, future of aerial robotics. So if we can harness this technology and it's getting better and better all the time. And the problem was those are the hardware manufacturers, people that were pushing the drone technology itself, but they have less appreciation of the use case. They have less understanding of what they can use this for, right? And that was the gap that we focus on. Right. Because we realized, I, I, in my previous life, I was also a, uh, an industry consultant. I, I worked in various industry before it, uh, as well. And I saw, hey, this, this is something that can be used to uh, improve um, uh, businesses around the world. And yeah. that's how we started. And, and, and as with so many things, it's, it's what turns out to be so incredibly valuable is the data as opposed to getting yeah. into necessarily, you know, the drone making business. But the drone data collection business is kind of where it's at. Where are things headed? I mean, like you said, you sort of talked about, you know, where we are 10 years ago and this kind of Moore's law effect of drones getting better and cheaper. You know, what are you guys, how far are you pushing things and and what are you working on that we might all be interested to see next? Yeah, sure. We are are seeing a a trend for greater automation and AJI. I I think that's that's a huge thing. Uh, At the moment, uh, autonomous drone technology are available. Um, Regulations uh, uh, is the roadblock for that to happen right now, yeah. uh, th- that's one. Uh, but still, um, there's still of, uh, still big rooms for new technology to be developed on the AJI. Uh, it's not just on the flying part, but also on the optimization of the use case. Uh, so I, I think there's a huge gap that we are filling in right now. And um, I, I think the future is uh, for smart autonomous drone um, uh, nested on the field rather than piloted operations. Uh, today, um, most drones operation, I would wager more than 90% currently are piloted, <laughs> piloted on the ground. The drones itself have no pilot. Right. Uh, but in the future, in the future, it's going to be smart nested drone that will be flying around uh, doing all the work. Interesting. And again, that gets to efficiency and precision and expanding the data that's possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Are, are you, you know, there have been and there's, I'm sure, more than a handful of these around the world, but there's this sort of personal transport drone idea. Mm-hmm. There's what you guys are doing. I mean, do you see drones becoming more, there's what Amazon has talked about in terms of drone delivery, but do you see drones becoming more and more a part of our everyday lives and, and, or, and will we see them more or will they sort of be operating in the background and we don't necessarily see them? Well, I, I, I see the drone economy uh, will become a reality in the near future. I, I think by 2030, it will be the days of the Jetson, you know, uh-huh. where drones will be uh, carrying human passengers, for instance, right? And, and, and no, it, it, it is the next big thing, um, uh, this uh, drone economy. 
even for logistics, I know Amazon um, is the front runner, uh, the pioneer in, in, in doing this. And uh, a, lot, a lot of people are doing it. We are actually looking into it right now as well. We're putting a lot of energy in, into providing this as well. And uh, I, I think this is inevitable. I, I think there's one thing that the current pandemic that we are facing right now is actually uh, it's a move towards more separation. You know, we are more we are connected digitally, but we could be more disconnected physically as well. So separation is happening, and uh, and the trend is actually for robotics and automation. And um, what better way for that to happen through is through these uh, uh, aerial autonomous vehicle. And then I, I do feel that uh, I, I do feel strongly that this is the future. Right. Yeah. Well, it's cool. I mean, I can't I can't wait to see more and more of it. And we see it a bit here in the Bay Area. But, you know, again, regulation tends to lag technology and, and we're so waiting for regulations to catch up and uh, to what what's possible with the technology and the kind of robotics know how. Yeah. You have your pilot's license and all that and you, you've flown drones. But are you is your background in computer science? Is it in machine learning? Is it in, you know, aeronautic, you know, aeronautical engineering? Where are you coming from? Uh, in my previous life, uh, believe it or not, I, I was a financial uh, person. I was an accountant. I was an accountant and auditor. So I, I had no regrets. Uh, but my, my early days in, in the UK uh, was uh, an auditor in the city of London. Uh, it gives me the financial sense. So I, I have no regret with that. But of course, my, my interest has always been in IT. So uh, um, what I did that subsequently was actually into system management. I'm an IT person, basically. Interesting. Is this your first company that you founded then? Or have you? is this your fifth? Uh, uh, or where are you on that spectrum? Uh, this is my fourth. Actually, oh wow! This is my fourth entrepreneur uh, endeavor, but the last one, the third one, is now also part of this uh, uh, entity as well. Right. So why do it? Why do it to yourself? Why build new things and then go out and build the next thing? I, I think that's just uh, I, I'm just insatiable. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I work for a large. Uh, uh, American entity also uh, uh, based in Malaysia. I, I was the country manager here. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I, I learned a lot. Uh, the, the HQ was in New York, so I, I traveled quite a bit to New York as well. You know, I, I'm I'm not very happy with the way a lot of things are done, and I see that um, you know I, I want to uh, find ways to you know contribute to humanity, come up with something new, you know, and and and, and that's actually the driving force, you know. Right. And and from the technology and and. Um, I, I know it's just fun solving one problem after another. You know, when you when you run and start up, it's all about solving problems. Yeah, and and that's actually what keeps me going as well to be to be able to creatively solve all of those problems. You use the word fun too, which I always love to hear. I mean, it sounds like you are having fun along the way as well. I mean, it's all hard work, but you know, what's hard work without some fun as well? Absolutely, <laughs> and and of course, seeing the company grow you know from from three percent uh, then we grew to 20 30 80 100 200 300 400 from one country uh, now to 25 and we just signed an, an mou to enter another 50 plus countries so so those are actually you know motivate us as well because it tells us that hey we must be doing something right if the traction is there we are, we are making real impact so that, that's exciting yeah how has your job changed? I mean, and then I want to jump into these questions, but like as the CEO and founder, how has your job changed as Aerodyne Group has gotten larger and larger? Right, sure. I, I mean, in, in the beginning, I was uh, involved in the development. I was involved in almost everything, right? I, I was even the janitor. 
So now I'm, I'm more uh, doing the strategic role, uh, overseeing the uh, uh, global operation. Right. And how do you ensure that your time is well spent, that you focus on the things that you need to? Yeah, uh, that, that's a tough one. You know, um, um, and, and to be honest with you, uh, we were, I was grappling with this as well. I mean, things were getting a little bit out of hand. It, it's a little too much to handle at, at times. So uh, what I did was to put in a structure within the organization. So now, uh, now one thing that I'm really proud of is actually that we have good uh, leadership team uh, within the organization uh, around the world. So that sort of uh, uh, allow me to take the 30,000 feet view of the company kind of thing. That um, helps me quite a bit. But still, uh, my days are really, really full. You know, I mean, I, I start my day at 4.30 every morning. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't finish until about 10, 11 o'clock at night. Also because of time differences as well, uh, and I'm I'm connected to my team daily wherever they are, whether they are in the states or they are in Latin America or Japan. So uh, we have daily communications uh, uh, with the team, basically. Right, right. And when you have a team all around the world, you are working at all hours. I know that for sure. Well, let's, with your permission, jump into these questions um, because clearly you have the background and can't wait to hear your answers around them. Give us a tool that you use on a regular basis. Yeah, basically, uh, uh, my, my mobile phone is uh, connected to my arms, <laughs> basically. <laughs> right? So, so that, that's, that's the most important tool for me. And, and uh, my phone and my uh, instant mes- messaging, I mean, uh, that, that, that's how we communicate all the time. We have our own internal software that we develop as well, our Aerodyne uh, ERP, if you like. You know? So, so th- that's actually uh, the most important thing uh, for us. And we use Zoom quite a bit. Um, uh, we, we can't live without it. Um, I find myself doing 10 to 15 uh, meetings daily right now. I mean, short ones, but uh, yeah. that, that's how we manage the operation. Do you have your day like scheduled to within, you know, every 10 seconds or how do you do that? And I just want to get out because it sounds like if your your phone, like all of us, I think, is attached to your arms and, and you're in all these meetings, how do you organize your day? Uh, actually, I, I try not to do that. I love to have the flexibility. It's been organized uh, daily, you know, by, by having a couple of fixed uh, meetings, uh, but the rest are just uh, addressing them as they go, basically. You know, I mean, um, I, I like to have the freedom, really. So, yeah, so it's not down to the second to the minute kind of thing. You know, we have a few uh, four or five big um, lock-in sessions, but, but the rest we address it because I need to have that flexibility to allow people to come to me as, you know, things are uh, unfolding. A leadership practice or routine, something you guys do mm-hmm. with your team that, that you find really works. Uh, daily huddle. Uh, we do daily huddle. And, and that, that really works. Uh, I, I think uh, what's important in the company is to um, keep an eye on the uh, uh, alignment, you know, alignment of mission, alignment on our operations, uh, you know, uh, on our congruency and all that. So and then keeping everyone connected. So this daily huddle, uh, typically physical in the past, but now uh, we do this via Zoom. And that uh, helps a lot to ensure because as, as we are growing, I think the disconnect is, uh, and I, I think this is a common problem for any organization or any startup, uh, disconnect uh, in a, a larger organization is a, a big issue. So what we are addressing right now is actually to close that gaps. I like that. I mean, it's, it's really happening. And then of course, it brings everyone together as well. Is it a very a structured huddle? I mean, do you share the same you know, set of data every day? Um, does it vary or is it a bit freestyle? 
No, freestyle. It's very unstructured. In fact, it can, it can be anything, you know. Uh, but of course, there, there's always anticipation of what we're going to be uh, talking about the next day and all that. Um, so it's uh, perhaps a hybrid. There's some structure into it. But it's a uh, freestyle. It's, it's, it's open for everything. That's good. It's typically a short one, 10-15 minutes. But it, it can grow into a deeper conversation uh, as and when needed. Right, and again, it's to keep to keep people connected and aligned, and and um, to share the priorities, I guess, every day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lesson learned. This can be something that you were happy to learn, or something you were not so happy to learn. <laughs> right. Well, the first thing is actually. I know it's cliche, but uh, uh, our people is everything. You know, our key focus is really on our people. You know, I mean, in the past, I used to be focusing more on my technology or rather on our technology. We are focusing on on uh, developing uh, our tech, de- developing our solutions and our system. And then uh, I would say the first one year of operations put us into a little bit of stress. We managed to uh, come up with a pretty cool tech. Uh, but I can see that the team was suffering because the, the, the stress was so, you know, so high and, and people were working. But, but still, uh, we, we decided that, hey, we need to strike the right uh, balance. So now I, I think the organization has grown to become, you know, more um, uh, people focused. You know, we were focusing more on, on, on the team, uh, taking care of the team, because I think, um, you know, a good team will deliver what the organization uh, would need anyway, right? So, so yeah, so I, I think that's one big lesson for us. Uh, we also feels that uh, we focus more on conscience, clarity, and conviction to the team. You know why we are doing this. You know, and and once uh, the clarity clarity is there, then um, it's almost like auto mode. I mean, we don't have to be looking on people's shoulder. We don't have to be looking. Um, you know, developing strong, uh, clear roadmap. I mean, it will, things will just r- running in auto mode kind right. of thing. You know? you know, when you strike that balance, what does that really mean, and what's the impact? And it sounds like you just described the impact. But how do you make it happen, that balance that you, you were looking for? Yeah, uh, basically it's, it's, it's tough, <laughs> to be honest. It's, 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 a long, it's a long journey for us. Uh, but we came up with a simple structure uh, in the organization. Um, we, we started with this thing called uh, WC20. We, we started this about three years ago. And we, we set out a, on a mission to become a world-class company by 2020. So yeah, that's what the WC stands ah. for, right? World-class 20. And uh, it, it basically tells us that we need to be focusing on four things. Uh, number one is focusing on doing things right. And this is the most basic thing, right? Uh, delivering on on time, delivering what is needed. So, I mean, that's doing things right. But very often than not, uh, we forget about doing the right thing, mm-hmm. right? So, of course, I, I won't go into too much detail, but uh, we, we focus on doing the right thing as well, uh, meaning that we are focusing on the right thing. We are putting the enough resources on the right thing. We are making the right decision as well. So, uh, I, I think this has now been internalized in the, in the group. Uh, we call ourselves Aero Rangers, you know, everyone in the... Uh, so, it has already been internalized uh, among the Aero Rangers. And, of course, uh, those are the first two. And the third one uh, is uh, the ability to adapt. And mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, that, that's the thing with uh, a startup or uh, you know, the industry today. You know, even, even if you look at a Fortune 500 companies, you know, the, the expected lifespan, lifespan now has dropped from perhaps, you know, I don't know, 75 years previously to now, now only 15 years, right? Right, right. So, so the world, world is becoming very, very competitive. So for us as well, ability to adapt is paramount. And everyone is trained to be uh, creatively thinking and 
be connected uh, with what's out there kind of thing, you know. So in the past five years, for example, we have pivoted three times. So I, I think that's another very important culture that we are putting into the organization. And uh, fortunately, so far, you know, right now it's, it's, it's looking well for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and last but not least is, you know, uh, what's important for us is also building our identity, building our own culture, you know, and and, um, and I think, uh, uh, I mean, our our simple identity is actually no fuss, no drama, and just deliver kind of thing. Yeah? Right, so right. So if you were to look at the world-class company, if you look at, uh, uh, let's say, IKEA, it's, it's cheap, it's good quality, but, uh, you know, you have to assemble yourself. So it's simple articulation. But for us, it's actually about people coming to us and we make it easy for them, you know. Right. And um, we are really easy to work with, you know. We are focused on delivering uh, solutions to your problem. Right, right. I have to ask, because you said you've pivoted three times in the last five years. There's this, you know, kind of religion of the pivot. It's not that easy, though, is it? Or is it? Well, for us, it has been uh, pretty smooth uh, because the pivot were really about reshifting focus mm-hmm. by using the exact same tools and technology that we already have, right? So it's, it's just a, a change of business model. I mean, uh, for, I'll, I'll give you an example. When we started, of course, it's just visual, but that did not last very long. Then we moved to data. So all that we focused on at that time was providing actionable data uh, to our client, right? Then we very quickly realized that um, our client needed more than good data. They want total solution. They right. want somebody to even tell them what, what to do. So what do we need to do? I mean, at that time, we, we, are, we are drone experts and data experts, but we do not have uh, the capability to give them the advice. So what we did was we started hiring uh, SMEs, subject matter experts in the industries where we are operating on. Right. So then we pivot into a total outsourcing solutions provider. So people come to us and we provide the whole, you know, the whole shebang for them kind of thing. And right. they love it. I mean, and we see our business grow as well, right? Uh, then other people started to do this again as well, right? And then, of course, with difficulties. Uh, but then we realized again that now is the time to do different things as well. And it is not just outsourcing entity that, that provide all of the solution, but it's also about disrupting their whole operation as well. So that's why now we are a DT Cube company. Right. It sounds like your pivots were also in some ways kind of additions, right? It wasn't that you, yes. you know, you expanded and kind of encompassed new directions along the way, um, as opposed to yes. just kind of abandoning an old direction. This is a question I, I hesitate to ask because you start your day at 4.30 in the morning and don't end till 11 at night. But what are you binging? What are uh, you watching, listening to, reading? Um, and what should we all be watching, listening to, and reading? Right, yeah. I, I'm a armchair uh, astronomer and theoretical physicist, so I, I binge on books. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I do. And, and uh, I read Peter Watson, I read uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, those kind of, uh, I mean, they, they fascinate me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fascinated about history, you know, the past human history as well, because I, I think there are gaps in our understandings. So, uh, I'm, I'm binging on that. I'm, I'm, I'm reading on lost ancient technology and all that. So oh, cool. Keep me going. I love the clarity of all this. 
where you have this flexibility to allow people to come to you. So you, you know, as we said, you know, your phone is attached to your to your arms and, and all your meeting technologies and all that. But that's all in this kind of pursuit of like this flexibility that allows you um, to interact with your people when you need to and when they need to with you, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. You guys have the daily huddle to make sure that you're aligned and nobody's disconnected. And again, that's another thing that's flexible. So you guys can bring up what is necessary and what what's what's top of mind. You know, this idea that your people are everything, which you guys took a step further. So from like, as you say, the cliche to WC20 and doing things right, doing the right thing and engendering this ability in everyone to adapt, plus building out your identity and culture as aerodyne. And then finally, armchair physics and uh, astronomy. Um, I think we should all pay attention because I think it also, when you step that far back from the immediate thing in front of you, it gives you perspective, doesn't it? Wow. I mean, uh, that, that is the best summary <laughs> that I've heard, right? You said it well. Exactly. That, that, that's actually, yeah. Well, so, Kamara, what's next? What should we keep an eye out for you guys, from you guys and, and Aerodyne Group? We are expanding. Um, we, we have five more MNAs that we are working on right now. Uh, we hope to close them uh, within the next 12 months. Uh, we, we closed three the past, the past six months. We, we would like to uh, broaden our footprint globally. And, uh, and also various new tech that we are developing and closely under wrap at the moment. But it's a very exciting uh, uh, platform. And of course, we are on AWS on that too, obviously. And, and it's actually a technology that will allow people to uh, harness uh, drone data uh, in, an, in an exciting uh, new way. Uh, this is not something that's already available in the market. I mean, just, you know, I mean, that, that's actually something new that will be coming. So, of course, we can't talk too much about that, but, but you're putting a lot of energy on that. Wow, that sounds great uh, and uh, very exciting. So, we will, I'll keep an eye out for that and maybe I'll bug you in private to see if you can tell me anything about it. Yeah, I mean, a, a hint. <laughs> just a hint on that. Uh, you know, uh, Peter Thiel in Zero to One say anything is about uniqueness, and that's actually what we are working on. Cool. <laughs> as well. Well, Kamar Al-Mohamed, Group CEO and founder of Aerodyne Group, I want to thank you so much, and we will talk soon, I hope. All right, my pleasure, and thank you for having me. If you are looking to get started on the cloud with AWS, our Activate program provides startups with a host of benefits, including AWS credits, technical support, training, and other resources to help grow your business. Head to aws.amazon.com backslash activate for more. Do us a favor and leave us a review. And if you know someone who we should have on the show, or maybe it's you, reach out to us at startupstories at amazon.com. And subscribe to AWS Startup Stories wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.